We're continuing in our studies in the book of Colossians, and I'd ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 4, South African, Colossians chapter 4, I'm starting to turn Kiwi, it's quite good, after 20 years, Colossians chapter 4, and we are looking at verses 2 to 6, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, if you missed last week, we had the first part of the sermon, which was looking at our prayer lives before the Lord. And today we're going to be looking at our words before people and how that can affect people to do with the gospel message. And they're tied together. Our words in prayer raised to the Lord and our words every day go out to the people around us. But they should also be wise words from God. And so let's look at what God says to us in his word this morning. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Well, how's your prayer life going after last week? Have you been obedient to the Lord in that regard? Have you seen answers to prayer? We've already heard some answers to prayer this week, and praise the Lord for those. But how's your personal prayer life? Is it Christ-focused? When you come in prayer, is it prayer to the Lord, the one who saved you, the one who can answer your prayers, and the one who will answer your prayers? How's your prayer life? We're just going to recap a little bit about what we learned last week, and then we'll carry on with the rest. So, last week we saw that we are to be faithful prayers. Those who come in prayer before the Lord, we are to be faithful in that. What does that mean? Be courageously persistent. Don't just come once off before the Lord. Yes, He has heard your prayer, but the Lord wants you to come again and again, because... You are to remind him in a good way, Lord, you are the one that I hold on to because you will answer my prayers. And so be persistent in that prayer and be courageous in your prayer. Don't be a wimpy before the Lord. Come with those big things before the Lord. He doesn't just hear the Christian things. He wants to hear about your whole life. Be courageous before the Lord in your prayer. Persevere in your prayer. Why? Because the Lord will answer in His way, in His time, and for your good. He will answer your prayers. Secondly, we saw that we are to come before Him and pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Don't just come once off before the Lord. Come and pray without ceasing. Cease your speed date praying. Come and pray without ceasing before the Lord. Stop those foxhole prayers when you're in trouble, shooting those prayers to the Lord. Yes, you can still pray those, but don't just pray those. 
come before the Lord with ceaseless prayers. Then we were reminded, be watchful in your prayers. Why? Because the Lord might just speak to you. And when he does, don't be amazed. Prayer is a two-way conversation. And it should all be 90% the Lord speaking to you and 10% you speaking to the Lord. Many times it's the other way around, right? I ramble on before I fall asleep. And then the Lord might answer me. No. He says, come before me. Bring your prayers. I am the God who loves you. I will answer your prayers. But be prepared for my answer. And then we're to be watchful. Why? Because as many of us have found and as we discussed at the men's group this week, you start praying and what happens? Your thoughts wander. And Eddie Frith brought up a really good point with the men this last week. He said, maybe we should bring those points that our minds wander away on. Maybe we should bring those very things before the Lord. Bring them before the Lord because maybe that's where the heart of the issue is. Thank you, Eddie. For that wisdom. And why are we to be watchful in prayer? Because that is when Satan will attack us. Satan will distract us too. It's not just your sinful heart which will distract you. Satan will want to distract you. Why? Because he knows that you're coming and kneeling before the very throne room of God. You're kneeling before the Lord. And he wants to take those prayers away from your lips. But praise the Lord, we have an intercessor who can see our very hearts, right? And so we've got hope. The Lord can read my heart and he takes those heart yearnings of mine and he brings them before his Father and the Trinity answers those prayers. So be watchful in your prayer life. And then be thankful in your prayer life. Don't be like the thankless servants who received and then walked away without saying thank you. Start saying thank you before the Lord answers. Why? Because I can trust Him. He will answer. So give Him thanks in advance for what He's going to do in your life. And then we saw that we are to be evangelistic prayers. We are to be purposeful in our prayers. We are to pray not just for those who are believers around us. And as we open those um, church directories and we pray through those directories we are to pray for each other right we also to pray for those who do not yet believe maybe it's our children who have wandered away from the lord many of us are all in the same boat confession of faith but the walk is very different or maybe you've been praying for your spouse for years don't cease now pray for your unbelieving spouse Pray for your unbelieving colleague. Use your prayers as evangelistic prayers. Bear them up before the Lord. Bring them to God so that He will give you an opportunity to preach the mystery of Christ to them, to bring them the gospel message. Pray for them. Pray for those divine appointments. God will answer your prayer. And then when the Lord does answer your prayer, pray that he will give you the right words to speak. Pray that, that those words won't be lost, but that you will give the gospel message in a way which glorifies him. And not just part of the gospel message, the full gospel message, including the bad news. 
That man is filled with sin, and there's no way you can get out of this by yourself. Only Christ can save. And I tell you now, people don't want to hear about sin. Not today. No one wants to hear that they're bad. We're not saying thump them with the Bible. But I am saying bring them the good news of the gospel. The full good news of the gospel. Jesus will take away that sin. And so that's what we looked at last week. And so today we come to verses 5 and 6, and I want to read them for you. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. In other words, the Lord says, have faithfulled words. Have wise words towards outsiders. And these words we're talking about here have two aspects. Your words have an action aspect and they have a words aspect. Actions and words. So what are the actions all about? Verse 5, he says, Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. In other words, the literal translation is, Order your walk, order your walk outsiders. Walk with wisdom towards outsiders. Who are the outsiders? Those outside the church building? No. Those outside of the faith. Walk with wisdom when you walk before those who are outside of the faith. Order your walk before them. Why is that important? Because if your walk doesn't equal your talk, they're not going to believe you. Right? That's what he's saying over here. Walk with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunities God opens up for you. You see, in the time that the Apostle Paul was writing to the Colossians, Christians were in a minority in a hostile environment. The Roman Empire had sway. And they were not pro-Christianity. There were other religions that were holding sway. And they were not pro-Christianity because Christianity was pulling their worshippers away from their temples. Especially of Diana or Artemis. Walk with wisdom towards outsiders. You're in a hostile environment. Be careful of how you walk. Because the world is watching you. And if they can get an opportunity to point a finger, they will point that finger and some. Walk with wisdom towards those outside of the faith. What's different today? 2020. Just look at the current debates politically. Look at what we're voting for in the referendum. Look at what some of the politicians, the majority of them, stand for. We're also in a hostile environment as believers. So what's changed? Walk with wisdom before the world that do not know Jesus Christ. Don't let them find in you an opportunity to derail the Lord that you serve. The Lord whose badge you wear on your life. Watch out how you walk. You see, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. Don't give the gospel, don't give unbelievers an unfavorable impression of the gospel message by the way that you live before them in being rude, maybe ungrateful in your everyday interactions. I'm a person just like you. I lose my wick as well. 
when the things I ordered at a shop don't come, when they said they would come, then I tend to get irritated too. I'm sorry to say, this is your pastor speaking to. I'm human like you. But that's where the danger is. How do we react when things don't go our way? Let's say I lose my wick. And I say, well, you know, I'm never going to come shop here again. You, you guys are hopeless. I've tried this several times now with this company. And so I'm walking away. I never want anything to do with you. And if they understood what I was going to say, I'd say, I shake the dust off my feet. But they wouldn't understand that, all right? There's no dust in New Zealand. So what happens? You've shown that attitude. And the very next Sunday, guess what? There's the shop attendant sitting in church. And here's Mr. Pastor up at the front. Is he going to believe anything I'm saying? Because he saw a different side to me. You get the picture? Your walk influences what you're going to say. Because the world will look and either believe or not believe through your actions. They start the conversation. And so it's really, really important. People already have this negative thing about Christians. Why would we add to that? They already think that when you're a Christian, you're slightly weird. They already think you're a bit outdated. Come on, you dinosaurs. This is 2020. Get with real life. They already have this negative stigma when they... You, you must have seen this. You, someone asks you, are you a Christian? And then you say, kind of get this funny look in their faces. Come on. We've already got those things, so why would we add to that by not living in such a way that the world looks at us and wonders, what are these people about? You see, the Bible calls us to be civil and to be gracious in the way that we interact with the world around us. Why are we to do that? Because if we are gracious, if they see our manners, if they see that we've got longer wicks than what we do have, that we've got patience when we should be losing our tempers, that speaks volumes. Because the rest of the world is going to lose the rag with them. So we are to be Christ before the world. How would Christ react in the hardware shop when it ordered something and it hadn't arrived? And then he says, make the best use of your time. And the literal translation of that phrase is, redeem the time. Buy out the time. You've only got so much time. You've, got to, you've only got so many opportunities. Buy them out for Christ. Use those opportunities for Christ. Don't fritter away those opportunities in useless conversations. Start turning the conversations when you can to show real care for people so that the next thing you can do is show them why you care for them. And that is to tell them about Jesus Christ. Make good use of the time. Buy out the time. If you don't buy out the time, guess what? Life is going to run away with those opportunities and you'll never see those things again. Because they'll be gone. Don't fritter away opportunities to speak about life and life stuff with people by talking about rugby. Oh, no, sorry, what's that? We don't know what that is anymore. Um, but about other things in life. 
turn things to speak about eternal things when God prompts you to do so. Make the best use of time. And then secondly, we come to words. We haven't even got there yet. Here's the gospel message. It says, verse 6, Let your speech always, oh dear, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Salt does two things, right? Those of you who have worked with South Africans, you know how to make biltong, dried meat. Salt does two things. It enhances the flavor of food and it preserves. Now, that's the way our words are to be with people. They are to enhance life by the words we use, by the content we speak. And they are to preserve life. We are to have somewhere in there words that can bring life. Otherwise, we're not enhancing. Oh, sorry, we're not preserving. So salt does two things. It enhances flavor and it preserves food. Our words to outsiders, in other words, our conversations with outsiders must be holy and uplifting and wholesome, not gruff, bawdy, and under-the-belt banter. I tell you now as a believer, you tell one dirty joke, you're not going to take that reputation away from, from yourself in someone's eyes who's heard you telling that joke. You try and tell them the gospel message after you've told them a dirty joke sometime in your life, they will not believe you. Because they've seen something else. It does so much damage. Let your speech always be gracious. When they've seen you losing your temper once and they've heard those words coming from your mouth, it's very hard to bring the gospel message. Let your words be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer. And when you do speak to someone and you bring them gracious and uplifting words, show them that you really care for them. Don't, don't ever give them the impression that you, they're just your next project. That I've got to bang the gospel message in here somewhere, bro. No. The first thing you do is show them you love them. Let them see that love in your conversation. And that will open up opportunities. I want to give you one personal example. We've got a veterinary clinic across the road from where we live. And one of the vets, I kind of know, several times he sells farming equipment and stuff. I saw him there one day, I was walking the dog. So I stopped, I said, hey, how are you going? And, you know, normal reaction, but yeah, fine. But I stopped, I said, no, I said, how are you going? And he stopped. He said, hey, Calvin, actually, I'm not going so well. I've got to go for a cancer operation. Please pray for me. I know you're a Christian. If I just walked past and said, how are you going? Yep, fine. Gone. But I said, how are you going? I stopped. We need to show them love. Show them love. And that will open up opportunities. People need to see that I don't just know the message of the gospel, but that it knows me. I've experienced the message of the gospel. 
And so I can bring them the message of the gospel through my interaction with them and the love I show them, right? And when, when they see that, that, that show of love towards them, when they can sense real love towards them, then their ears will be opened and the message I bring to them then will be, why do I love you? Because Jesus loves you, my friend. And he's shown his great love to me. And I can't do anything else but show you his love. And so it's not my love, it's his love I'm showing to you. Do you want to know about him? And nine times out of ten, they will want to know something more. The tenth time, they'll walk away and think you're weird. Nine times out of ten, people want to be loved. And people's souls know that they need something, and that something is God. Whether they deny it or not, they know, I need God. And we need to be there with that message. And so, my friend, the last thing I want to bring on the gospel message to you is, do you know the message you are to proclaim? And I've said this before, if you're an electrician and you come to someone's house to service their house and you haven't got the right tools and you're trying to make, make do and ask them if they've got this or that that they could, you just borrow because you haven't got... What's the impression you give? You don't know what you're doing. If you and I do not know the gospel message, how are we going to proclaim it? Do you know the gospel message? If you don't, it's not hard. It's not a little formula, but there are certain aspects that have to be in that message. Otherwise, it's not the gospel message. It's your message. So get to know the gospel message. There are various ways you can do that. There are websites, two ways to live. If you listen to what we were talking about this morning, there's a gospel message. Just think about what we do in communion and what we talked about. You need to know the gospel message to be able to take out the gospel message. And then wait. Don't just blurt it out at every opportunity you can. People will think you're weird. Wait for the opportunity. Show them God's love first. Start talking about life. And they will very soon start asking those harder and those deeper questions. And that will lead to an opportunity which God will show you of when to tell them about his love. For too many years, people have stood on street corners, and I'm sorry to say their intentions are good, but their methods are poor. And just bleated out the gospel messages. Anyone who will come in. Now, some have been saved. Thank you, God, despite people. We need to get to know people and then speak the message. What did Jesus do? Did he show real care towards people and then tell them how to be saved? Yes, he did. It's only the Pharisees he had a go at because they heard and knew but wouldn't listen. We need to form those relationships in our communities. We need to order our walks and then our words must have salt in them to bring life. And so here's a summary of what the Apostle Paul's writing about in these verses, verses 2 to 6. He's saying this, Paul's seeing a church which can hold its own in society and in any social setting in society, in the marketplace, the baths of the day, and at the meal table. A church that is not socially awkward. A church that is like the people around them in looks, but not necessarily in manner. He's 
talking about a church which can win the attention of the world around it by the way it lives and its wholesome speech. Today, he's talking to a church which is to be socially involved with people from all walks of life, but we intentionally hold out the gospel message in everything that we do, not just through our lifestyles, not just through those above-reproach lifestyles we hold, not just about through our conversations with people about life, but the way we interact with people about stuff that happens in life, the hard things that come, by the way they see us grappling with those issues in life, by the, f the way we confront the sins of our nation boldly, not whimpering away, by the way that we offer Scripture's wisdom into situations like euthanasia, like the legislation of the drug use, like the threat of porn to our kids, social media, the high suicide rates in our country, by child, the, the, the answers we give from Scripture to drug abuse and to child abuse. We are to be relevant in these situations in life. A church which is relevant with our message. That's what he's calling us to. To be Christ as Lord. To show Christ as Lord in all aspects of life. Are we a church like that? What do we do with this? I'm going to remind you of the, the so what's of last week. The first one is this, and I've got these three sayings, quotations. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. That's William Cowper, the hymn writer. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. My friend, how's your prayer life? Does Satan tremble with fear when you pray before the Lord? Or does he tremble with laughter because of your, in, your not praying? Secondly, the people of the light sit idly by while the world watches, marches by to die. I'll repeat that. The people of the light sit idly by while the world marches by to die. David Gardland, modern scripture writer, I mean commentator. Do we just come to church services and that's it? That's my Christian life? Or do I live out Christ? To the world around me? Do I care so much about those colleagues of mine that are passing by me every single day without Christ that I'll actually stop and pray for them and spend time and show them Christ's love? Or am I going to allow them to march by and die? And I've lived with them my whole working life and never said anything. You know, the saddest thing that can ever be said about us as believers is this words from an unbeliever. I knew him for 20 years, but I didn't know he was a Christian. And then thirdly, another famous statement. People listen to our message more with their eyes than with their ears. That's a famous living guy. I'll repeat that. People listen to our message more with their eyes than with their ears. Are you living out the gospel message before you speak out the gospel message? Your walk must equal your talk, otherwise ears close. Lord, help us in this. You know what the great encouragement is for me? When I speak out the message in the end that Jesus saves, what does God promise us in his word? Old Testament, 
My word which goes out will never return to me void. Let's read that together. Isaiah 55, and we'll close with these verses. Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 11. Here's the gospel message and their promise together. Where? In the Old Testament, man. Right in the middle of your Bible. Fantastic. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Gospel message and the gospel call. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. My friend, if you do not yet know Jesus Christ, this might be the last opportunity you hear the call coming to you. Turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. Christ loves you. He can take your sin away and give you life for eternity. But you need to come. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Nothing you can do can outsin God's forgiveness. He will forgive. And verse 8. And here's the promise. This is why I can take out the gospel message. Because of this promise. It's not my words. I'm the messenger. I've been sent with a message. Whose message is it? God's. Don't change that message. It's his message. Not yours. Here it is. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Right in the beginning of time, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Through the gospel message, what does God say to people? Let there be light. And there will be light. Thus says the Lord. And that's why we take that message out. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've changed our own lives through the gospel message. But Lord, help us now to be fearless messengers of that gospel message. Help us to take it out into the world, a world which does not want to know. But Lord, when they see our actions before them, may they be drawn to you because they see the love towards them, which is not our love. It is your love reaching their hearts. Use us as your instruments, Lord. We are weak. You are almighty God. And you can reach anyone. Use us as weak instruments, but willing instruments. And you will build your kingdom. Let he who hears hear what God is saying to his church. Amen.